The information contained in this podcast is general in nature and is not to be taken as financial or personal advice. It does not consider your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether this information is suitable for you and your personal circumstances before acting on it. Hi, and welcome to The Home Run, your guide to buying your first home in Australia. On this show, I'll walk you through the home buying process from every angle. We cover the steps to take, the pitfalls to avoid, and the answers to all your questions you've been dying to ask. No matter what stage you're at, you'll learn everything you need to know about buying your first home. I'm your host, Michael Nasser, and I'm a mortgage broker at Lens Street, and I really love helping people buy their first home. Hey there, listeners. My name's Jack Trainer, and I'm one of the producers here at The Home Run. I'm just filling in for Michael today because with the new year upon us, Michael and the team here at The Home Run wanted to do something special for the next few episodes. So welcome to our new year, new home series. We've gathered the best tips and stories from the past year of episodes so you can refresh your memory while you gear up for the housing market in 2024. So let's get into it. First up, you'll hear from Veronica Morgan. Now, Veronica is a heavyweight in the Australian property landscape. She has a big media presence with two TV shows, multiple podcasts. And in May, Michael and Veronica caught up to talk all things auctions, which is one of Veronica's specialities. So Michael got things started by asking Veronica to share why auctions are a thing that she's so passionate about. I find auctions fascinating and mainly because I, I find human behavior fascinating so therefore for me auctions is bringing to a head a whole bunch of stuff because obviously I understand intimately the sales process and the purchasing process so I'm sort of watching everything play out so either I'm bidding for a client or I'm there as an observer either way I'm reading things and seeing things that most people aren't even noticing and I just find it fascinating. And what's one of the biggest things you noticed? I mean, if there was just to be one real quick one to start it off with, like what's the biggest observation that you have when you're at auctions? Yeah, my biggest observation at auction is really that people, when they get there and they think they're ready, they think they're prepared, some may even know that they're not, but those that think they are and they are so ill-equipped and then it's like under the pressure of an auction you see what's really going on. For example, quite often I'll see somebody, uh, you might have an alpha male there that's bidding really confidently and you're thinking, wow, they're good. They've got poker face. They're really confident. They know what their limit is. They've done all their due diligence. You know, you, you could read them in that way and think they know they are just formidable. And then as soon as they hit their limit, they'll give it away. They'll absolutely give the game away. I'll go, right, they hit their limit. Now it's going to be interesting to see whether they push themselves beyond their limit or not, whether they, you know what I mean? Like they just give all the signs away. So it's just funny. And I've seen this happen so often. That's why I can talk about it. It's not a rare occurrence that these people think they're prepped. And then it's like, okay, gloves are off now. This is the real show. <laughs> and you can see it happen in front of your eyes. And it seems to happen quite a bit by the sounds of it. Happens a lot. Yeah. Happens a lot. Yes. The way that we you know, want to structure today's chat is kind of before the auction day and some final thoughts. So I guess before the auction, a lot of people uh, would assume that being successful at an auction is all about what happens on the day. But in reality, the things that you do before the auction are probably just as important, if not more important. So let's go through the things that someone should do before auction day. Can you walk me through what that prep work needs to look like if it's an auction that you're attending as a method of sale for a property? 
Yeah, absolutely. And you're spot on. I mean, a lot of people do. They think, oh, it's the person with the deepest pockets that wins the day or it's the person who's the most confident that wins the day. And I know people that go and get their mate or their cousin or their uncle or whatever to bid for them because they feel nervous. And it's like everybody's nervous. And some people, when they're nervous, come out really bolshy as well. So it's like everyone sort of, I guess, reveals their nervousness in different ways. But being prepared is the best way to assuage those nerves, right? And when I say being prepared, there's so much that goes into that. First and foremost, what most people think the due diligence that they need to do on a property is just the tip of the iceberg. Most people think, say it's a house, they go, oh, I've had my building pest inspection done. I went to the mortgage broker and I got my pre-approval and I've had the contract looked at. Now, Let me tell you, some people don't even get the contract looked at, but anyway, that's nuts. But those three things are nowhere near everything that needs to be done. Wow. I mean, you'd assume that that would be it, right? So there's more to that. Well, that's it. People say, I did all the due diligence and I went, tell me, what did you do? And they go, I had my contract reviewed, I had the building pest and I went and my mortgage broker and I went, oh, that's good that you did that. So you can tick that one tiny box. What about what the neighbours are about to do? Could they build? Could they block your view or your light or your privacy or whatever? Like, what? have you checked that? What do you mean? Well, it's all discoverable, you know, can be found out. What about if the house has been renovated? Have you checked whether it's been approved? You know, that the works that have been done have been approved. Have you looked into that? What about if you want to renovate? Have you looked into whether you can do what you think you're going to be able to do? Have you checked that out? And we haven't even got to the price yet. This is the biggie. This is the thing where people set their limit in crazy ways and often they don't properly understand what that property is worth. And there's two things here, there's two aspects to this. You've got to understand what it's worth in the general marketplace and you've got to understand what it's worth to you. And so what too many people do, they go to auction and they're deciding what the property is worth based on what other people are doing. So it could be because of what the agent's quoting or it could be what because of what they see other buyers doing and they're basing their decisions based on what those people are doing and yet you take one second to think about this. What makes you think they know any more than you do? <laughs> They've probably done a little prep work as you have, you know, and yet I see it all the time and I will ask people, I love talking to people after auction too if they bid, particularly if they didn't buy it and say, how did you arrive at your limit? oh, well, I just added 10% to what the agent was guiding and then I looked around and I saw other people were bidding. I thought it must be worth it. <laughs> it's sort of that like that social proof almost. It's like there's no other logic than the fact that if they're doing it, well, then it must be the right thing to do. So let's continue. Yeah. And you could argue, oh, well, that's what market value is. Yes, you could argue that. But, you know, there are other times when I see people get locked into a competition and they pay way over because they got competitive and totally lost sight of what the property was worth. They were just focused on winning, you know. And so I think what people fail to do, that probably the biggest thing, so yes, you've got to do all that due diligence. Some of those things, I just mentioned a few of them. If you don't do that and you go to buy any property, you're a nut. You know, you're a total nut, especially at auction because there's no cooling off period, right? You're committed on the fall of the hammer if you're the highest bidder over reserve. But to set your limit to work out exactly what you should pay for that property, too many people go to auction and their limit is what they'd like to pay, what they'd feel good about paying, not about what they will pay under pressure if they have to. And the problem is by setting that beforehand, they, they obviously often don't even just go down that path, but if they don't set it beforehand, when they're in the middle of the auction, when the pressure is on, they will make silly decisions. They'll either pay too much 
or they'll pull out too quickly and they'll panic and they'll stop bidding when they should continue to bid. But they don't have the backup of that certainty around A, what it's worth in the marketplace and B, what it's worth for them. And it's so important. Yeah. Something else I want to pick up on there is, is you mentioned a few times the pressure of the auction. What does that look like? I mean, I guess for you it's different because you're, I guess maybe you don't feel the pressure because it's something you do so often. But knowing, say, what a first home buyer might be going through or someone that is not used to going to auctions, how does that pressure manifest? It manifests in a number of ways. For starters, you want to win. There's actually a a behavioural bias called loss aversion. The pain of losing or or that fear of the pain of losing is greater than the anticipation of the pleasure you'll get from winning. So that is running through your veins when you're at auction. You don't want to lose. You want to win. Your rational mind is not really necessarily running the ship when you've got emotions running rampant like that, right? And also the whole auction setup, the way an auctioneer runs an auction is about pressure. They raise the hammer. They call it going once, going twice, going three times, even before it hits reserve. You know, all this is designed to basically get people acting and, and jumping in. I've seen people bidding against themselves when they're the highest bidder because they're so panicked. And also the fact is that if you take your family along, you've got a whole cast of thousands there supporting you and egging you on, you feel the pressure of performance as well. So that's just a handful of the pressures that you could be feeling during an auction. Now, one of the most common things you hear people talk about is the property ladder. But what is it? How do you get on it? And do they sell them at Bunnings? To answer all these questions and more, Michael was joined by Jared McCabe from Wakeland Property Advisory. Michael got the ball rolling by asking Jared to explain what the property ladder actually is. Yeah, we talk quite regularly about the property ladder and not having an expectation that you're going to jump to the top rung on the first purchase. It needs to be working your way up that ladder. So starting on the bottom rung, and that can be starting small. And sometimes it might mean you need to purchase something that allows you to take steps up and build equity. So it might be that looking at it from an investment lens rather than looking as though it's just purely lifestyle and buying the first property that you see that's your dream home and it needs to have all the bells and whistles in terms of fit out. There might be other opportunities to buy something that perhaps needs a little bit of work. It doesn't need a full-blooded renovation, but there's opportunities to add value in terms of improving the property as well and building equity through that, which then allows you to take steps up the ladder. So you've built that equity up and you might then buy a slightly bigger property or a property in a, a location that's more suitable to the next stage of life. Not necessarily getting your ideal style, your ideal location and perhaps size up front but then allowing you to take steps up so that the next one is a little bit closer and the next one is a little bit closer again. One of the big things that the property will talk about is the property ladder. I want to break this down a little bit. And the first important aspect of the property ladder is building equity. Again, something that you've just mentioned. For first home buyers who haven't heard this term and don't know what it means, what is equity? So equity is the difference between the value of the property and the debt that you hold against it. So if you have a property that's worth $500,000 and you owe your mortgage against that is $400,000, then you've got a notional equity of about $100,000 in that property. And so you want to try and build that and expand on that. And there's numerous ways you can do that. You can pay down the debt, which will obviously, if you've got a property that holds its value at least, paying down the debt will continue to build your equity. But obviously the other way to do it is to increase the value of the property. So if the market's moving, then that helps. But there's obviously ways in which you can improve the value of a property. And so sometimes first home buyers can get caught up in buying something that's got everything done and finished at purchase, which then limits that 
value increase to the only way that you can improve the equity. Whereas if you buy something that perhaps needs a little bit of improvement, it doesn't necessarily need to be a full-blooded renovation, but it can be paint, carpet, window furnishings, adding pergolas, perhaps if there's an opportunity with some types of property to add car parking at the rear, there's ways and means that you can add value to a property and that can help to build equity as well. I'm assuming when you mentioned the example of the first home buyer that you'd help buy the apartment at the beginning of COVID, we're referring to the equity, I imagine, because when she bought it in 2020, it would have been worth X and now it's worth Y and Y would be much higher than X because the market has shifted. And is that what you were alluding to earlier? That's right. And that's been more about market movement at that stage than anything that she's actually done to the property at this point in time. But there certainly are opportunities for her to be able to improve that property as well down the track, which will further increase the equity over time. Jared, you mentioned about this concept of growing equity. Can you explain that in an example, perhaps? Yeah, sure. In terms of building equity in a property, if we look at, say, a property purchase of around, say, $500,000, and we've had to borrow $400,000 to be able to purchase that property, we can build equity in a number of ways in doing that. Now, the first one might be that we pay down $100,000 over a couple of years if we're a really good saver and we perhaps have a bit of a windfall and are able to knock a bit off the debt. So that pulls us back to only $300,000 of debt. And perhaps we've managed to have some growth in the market over that two-year period as well. So perhaps the property's generally increased in value up to, say, $550,000. But we've also carried out a bit of work ourselves and been able to increase the value of the property further from that five fifty dollars up to, say, $700,000 because we've renovated the bathroom, painted it throughout, perhaps done some landscaping. And we know that the work that we've done has been really beneficial to that property. So all of a sudden, we had $100,000 worth of equity at the start. We've paid down a bit. We've increased the value. Now we've got $400,000 worth of equity. We've gone from a debt of $300,000 versus a property that's worth $700,000. So we've now got $400,000 worth of equity, which is how you can then build your process, but you can also then take that $400,000 and whether or not that means that you want to sell the property and take something higher up the ladder that meets your requirements because you could perhaps borrow a bit more. You're in a stronger financial position yourself. You might be able to go out and buy a property that's worth in excess of a million dollars. But you might say, well, I would like to be able to retain this property because I've done my homework. It would make a really good investment. So perhaps I can't get up over a million dollars, but I might be able to buy something at $900,000 because of the financial position that I'm in. And so that's how we build equity in a number of different ways, but we also enable ourselves to take steps up that property ladder. Yeah. The equity is the push that gets you up to the next level. 100%. And that's how you create wealth through property investment is that equity. And so now that we've defined equity, let's talk about the property ladder. What does it mean to get onto the property ladder? It's basically your first purchase takes you onto the property ladder. Now, the issue that we sometimes have with first home buyers is that the expectation can be to be jumping onto the property ladder three or four rungs up as opposed to just stepping onto the first rung and then working your way up. So that's part of that discussion is what's going to be the best opportunity for me to get onto that property ladder in the first instance, but then how do I take steps up through my property journey? And being able to understand that that's what's required and then how that can be done and achieved is really important. And so it's un- to understand what's going to build equity for you, what asset selection is going to help you build equity over an extended period of time so that you can step up year after year. You don't have to buy a new property every year, but helping you to get to where you want to be. And that will change too. I guess it's not a matter of what you may think is your ideal property now is probably not going to be your ideal property in 5, 10, 15, 20 years' time. 
yeah, as your circumstances change, obviously your requirements will change as well. So for people who are on the property ladder, it seems the ideal situation is that you buy a property, then you get another one, and then you start to build this portfolio of properties, I guess, in, in one way or another. Is it always necessary to keep every property that you acquire or accrue over this journey? Quite often hear people talk about keeping properties that they've purchased. And that's where I come back to that asset selection around what was the purpose of that purchase in the first instance. Some people, yes, absolutely. It's a great thing to be able to do is to retain certain properties because that's going to make a good investment going forward as well. But for others, it may well be, well, that property suited the purpose when I purchased it but it's not necessarily going to be the right type of property to retain as an investment property long-term. And so it may well be a case of I'll step up the property ladder, I'll sell that one that I've had, and if I want to have an investment property, I need to go and buy something else that's going to work well as an investment property. So it's something that needs to be, and if possible, you should absolutely consider it. And if you've got the financial capacity to be able to retain it and it's the right type of property, then absolutely that's a great thing to do. But it's not a blanket rule of, yes, keep every single property that you purchase. We love Amy Lenardi here at The Home Run. And with good reason. She's a superstar. Amy runs her own buyer's agency, Amy Lenardi Property. She hosts her own podcast. And she's just launched her own first home buyer's course. What can't she do? When Amy and Michael caught up, they discussed how to ensure you're prepared to buy your first home. So let's go to Amy now. Yeah, so the first step is taking a step back actually and figuring out why you actually want to buy, making sure that is coming from an internal place rather than external pressures, like feeling like this is just something that you have to do or your parents are telling you to do it or you see all of your friends buying. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the right option for you or the right time frame for you as well. So figuring out your why and that will guide the entire rest of your strategy moving forward And then from there, figuring out your when, and that's a combination of your personal situation. So yes, maybe you've decided to buy a property, but if you're thinking about changing jobs or starting a business or traveling right now might not be the best time for you. And that's in combination with then your finances. So speaking to a mortgage broker and understanding what your capacity is and your limitations, and then using those conversations to set some goals in place. It's all well and good to say, I want to buy a property. I want to spend 800 grand and buy this property in this location. If that's not achievable, then what's the point? When I say achievable, that's a combination of kind of three things, which is, can you afford those mortgage repayments? Can you service that loan? Is the bank even going to give you enough money? And then how much deposit you need? And can you save that up within the right time frame? We will talk about these steps relatively quickly, but the reality of the length of time between steps can be a long one or it's an indefinite one potentially. And where you start obviously somewhere and then it's like, well, hold on, I need to raise this much deposit and this is how much I've got. So therefore you might have to do a sub step or it's like, well, now we've got to work to that particular strategy or even with your finances, we've mentioned about sort of, you know, that pre-approval and being able to borrow those amount of funds. It might be then trying to say, well, hold on, I'm at this particular point. I need to earn this much to get the loan that I need. So I need to work towards a pay rise and knowing what that may be, I think. So mapping that out makes total sense. And if you can't, you've got to reassess. So if the broker says, okay, well, you've got to either save this amount or be earning this amount and that's not achievable for you, 
then that's okay. But you sit back and say, okay, what are my other options? How can I get there? Or what can I change in the meantime? Or what other, what other um, ways can I get there? For example, considering first home government benefits. So the first home guarantee, which allows you to buy a property with as little as a 5% deposit. Um, and you don't have to pay lenders mortgage insurance. So a broker will be able to help you figure out these options. That's the great thing. And in some cases, help you apply for these things as well. We've gone through those considerations. We've figured out the why and, and the how, and we've spoken to a broker and we're working on that pre-approval and we get the pre-approval. So thumbs up, we're good to go searching. What happens at that particular point and how do you go about finding a place? Yeah, well, I would say before you even get the pre-approval, that's the point in time where you need to be doing all of your research. And I think that research is fun when it comes to property. And when I use the word research, some people think, oh, that's a lot of time and effort. But it's not like combing through graphs and data and statistics or anything. It's actually just first of all, spending time in the locations that you're considering and checking out the public transport and the streetscapes and the amenities, but then also using the sold section of realestate.com.au or domain, spend hours and hours and hours in there. That is all of the information that you actually need to understand what things are selling for in those locations you're looking at and can you afford them? And if not, if you can't see anything that you like, you've got to change something. So, figuring out what you want and then importantly making sure that you can afford it. And that sold section will tell you that. I'm making it sound easier than it is, but the reality is, is the information is there at your fingertips rather than looking at things that are just for sale. That's a small snapshot of things and the prices aren't reflective of what they might necessarily go for. I like the fact that you're mentioning spend time in the location because you may think that you want to be there or for whatever reason, and then you go and spend some time there and whether it's, I mean, I'll just say the general vibe of that suburb and see if that is really what you're after. I think that's a really massive point that perhaps not a lot of people think about. Yeah, exactly. And during that phase too, it can sometimes make you realize that what you think you want, you want something different. And for example, sometimes I'll have buyers tell me they have to be walking distance to a train station. So that's totally fine, no problem. But then once we stress test it a little bit and they start looking at properties that are, say, a short drive to the station or they can get a bus in between, but their property itself is much bigger and better and more modern, et cetera. And they realize, well, you know what, that's probably not as important to me to be close to the station, actually value a bigger house more. So that research process and starting to go to inspections and getting a feel for what your money buys you can help you figure out your priorities. That can change over time and that's okay. Yeah, and I think that flexible mindset from the beginning in terms of what you're planning to do and throughout the purchasing process potentially is something that you have to be mindful of. And I guess it gets hard because when it comes to these types of purchases, we get quite emotional and so we can get caught up in a particular way of thinking or what we want and being mindful from the outset that I need to be flexible with this probably assists the process, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. And you are allowed to be emotional when it comes to buying property as long as that doesn't override your rational thinking. I think that emotion is important because this is your home that you're going to live in. If you aren't emotional about it at all, then is it the right option for you is the right property for you. But yeah, you always need to come back to say when you are approaching how much you're going to negotiate or bid at auction, you know, working through the comparable sales analysis and figuring out what the market is doing and setting your limit that way, allowing emotion to come in a little bit 
but then not overstretching yourself or paying a huge premium because you haven't put the consideration into it and you get carried away and your emotions overrule that previous information. So that's it for today's episode. If you want to listen to the full interview with any of today's guests, you can find the links to those episodes in the show notes. On behalf of Michael Nasser and the entire podcast team, I'm Jack Trainer, and thanks for listening to another year of The Home Run. You've been listening to The Home Run, your guide for buying your first home in Australia. This podcast was produced by Lendstreet. Lendstreet is a mortgage broker and home loan specialist that helps first home buyers find the right loan to meet their needs. We know applying for a loan can be overwhelming and complex, so we help guide and support first home buyers through the process from start to finish. To find out more, head to our website, lendstreet.com.au. We've also put a link in the show notes. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Home Run, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Michael Nasser, and we'll be back next episode covering another step on the journey to owning your first home.